few years ago, because I am fascinated by the fact that, that Lee Elsie, the local radio star who has been kind enough to host me on a, my own segment for 20 years across several stations, um, he spent quality time playing college baseball and then professional baseball in the St. Louis Cardinals organization, made it up to double A. And I'm fascinated by that. I'm fascinated by anybody that can do anything really well. And the idea as a baseball fan that someone could hit a 95 mile an hour fastball was that's for some reason, that's sort of the, the bewitching figure that sounds insane to me that someone can throw that fast and that someone even more could hit it. So I've been asking Lee over the years what it's like to face that because you have faced it in, in actual competition. So I want to I ask you before I get into the fact that we all gathered at the pit in Niantic and and faced a pitching machine that was throwing those things at us. <clears throat> at what point in your career, whether it was college or whatever, because by that point you were a scholarship athlete and you knew you were moving on a level of comp to a level of competition where this was going to happen. Did that did the the idea of someone throwing that fast have that sort of mystique that I have for it as a layperson? Uh, yeah, no question about it. The first thing that you pay attention to as a hitter, you know, you get to the park, you do your thing, you get ready. And as soon as the guys start to get loose down in the bullpen, the first thing you're looking for is how hard is the guy throwing always. So yeah, there's certainly a mistake. The harder a guy throws the, the harder it is to hit. Now, not always is it only about how hard a guy throws. I mean, if a guy's got good movement on a fastball, you know, you could throw upper 80s, but with, you know, a, a really either a, a Mariano type of a cutter or somebody who throws something that sinks a lot, that's very difficult to hit when you mix in the second and third pitches. But what happens is the higher you get up, the higher you go from Division One to Pro Bowl, you start getting guys who are throwing, you know, mid-90s with movement with the second and third pitch. So now you're trying to factor in all of these elements while you try to hit. But no question, Rick, the first thing you looked for when you get to the park, at least the first thing I looked for when I saw somebody warming up is how hard is the guy throwing? Because it sort of changes your game plan going into the at-bats. Okay. that And, and as, as someone who is a baseball fan and watches a lot of baseball and has my whole life on television – just the whole idea of 95 is brutal, but then you brought in the second and third pitch. So again, it's all theoretical to me, but when you said, look, we can get in the cage and you can see what 95 looks like. Well, I wanted, <laughs> I wanted to do it. And I told Pete about it and he was like, yeah, we should, we should do a video about this. And then sort of, so it sort of blossomed, uh, Tim Burrows, who owns the pit and played college baseball, welcomed us. He's got the machinery to let us face a 95-mile-an-hour fastball or build up to it in increments from 70 miles an hour. So then we've got you and Tim, and then we threw uh, former gubernatorial candidate Bob Stefanowski into the mix because he was intrigued by it. 
And then my old friend and neighbor, Dave Nasser, who used to live across the street and whom you've known for years from, from Waterford baseball, uh, or your competition in high school, you guys had a few years different. Well, he played single a ball for the blue Jays. He shows up. So now we've got this whole coterie of people gathered around a cage to watch ostensibly me flail futilely and miserably against a machine throwing 95 miles an hour. But all of you did it. And so the results to me were fascinating. I started, I faced 40 pitches ranging from 70 miles an hour, I think up to 97 or 98. And if this was a call and response at like a concert where I'd say, how's everybody feeling tonight? Then you and you, Lee, and you, Pete, would be going, we feel great, or whatever. But if I said, how many pitches did Rick hit, you guys would go, zero. (laughs) (laughs) Not one stinking pitch did I hit. And so, but I guess I want to say that it is so fast. It is just literally, as a professional writer, I wish I could say, better than it is just like a speedy white blur, but that's that's absolutely what it is. The thing is, Pete, Pete and Lee, I don't think I would have done it if you had me throw, facing live batting pack, if that was a live arm, if that was somebody throwing a pitch at 95, I would have been too scared because I trust in the machine. Right. Either, either Tim Burroughs has – a lot of insurance because those machines aren't reliable. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? I felt so, I just, a bit of security. Is that and, different and you know, for the, you, the, Lee? Um, actually, <clears throat> I would have rather I'd rather face a live pitcher throwing that hard because you saw part of the the difficulty of hitting that that speed of pitch off of a machine is it just pops out at you. There's nothing to sort of give you a, a rhythmic type of a, a way to get ready. Like you, you see, it, it kind of rolls down. It comes at different times. It, it, it's not as, you know, as regular as it would be if you see a guy want warming up and, and then or winding up and throwing you a pitch. So I get what you're saying. I, I get the safety issue for sure. You, you get a, a little bit more sense of. You know, it's not going to be not as you said the Tony Caligliaro type of a <laughs> of a, a setting, which I thought was hilarious. But I, I mean, yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying with that. But the truth of the matter is, it's probably easier to hit somebody who is actually winding up and throwing than it was for you to hit off of that machine. It, it's just the way those machines are because it's so, you're so uncertain as when the ball's actually just going to come out. But I got to say something. I don't want to forget to say this during the course of this conversation. I got to give you and Peter and Steph, uh, Stefanowski, credit for getting in there because you saw it. I mean, you gradually got it, you know, up to the speed of 95, but that ball is humming, man. It is coming. And you got to have a set of, of, of blanks, if you will, to get in there and face that. And particularly when you haven't grabbed the bat and as long as you haven't grabbed the bat, it's, it's, listen, it wasn't easy, but you showed guts, man. So I just want both of you to get in there and take some hacks off of that. So I give you credit, a lot of credit as a matter of fact. So let me ask you, Pete, did you have any apprehension? I, I had apprehension about 
embarrassing myself or or, <laughs> or, or like hurting myself because I swung too hard. Um, no, I wasn't. I wasn't worried that the machine was going to hit me or anything. Yeah, I don't think I was either. But it is an intimidating thing to see that thing come at you. And then, so the I think the first five or six times I swung, I didn't even have any. I had no plan, nothing. I just knew it was coming. And then right. over the course of the numerous pitches that I missed, I did start to try to to think, well, I'm swinging over this. And as you said, Lee, the ball and the machine appears, the, the, the holder of all the balls feeds a ball to the top of a chute, and then the ball takes, I don't know, one to two seconds to go down the chute before it shoots out at 95 miles an hour. So I guess the whole thing then centers around not necessarily that the ball's going 95, but you're trying to time your swing based on the ball going down the chute. You know what I'm saying? I do, and that is part of the problem, which is why, you know, anybody who hits or wants to take batting practice or wants to take some swings, I mean, 99% of the people that, or baseball players that you'll talk to will say, well, I'd much rather face live pitching than to face a machine. Not, not that the machine doesn't have its own certain uh, usefulness when it comes to teaching technique, et cetera. It certainly has a lot of that. And plus, it also gives you the ability to see 95. Not, not everybody can throw 95. So if you want to get used to, to seeing that pitch come in, then you got to go to the machine because not everybody can do that. So it, it's got its pluses and minuses. But in my, in my, in my career as a, as a player, I'll be honest with you, when the coach would say we're taking batting practice off the machine today, it, it was a letdown. I hated it. I didn't, not that I hated it. I just didn't like it because of the reasons that you say there's, you never really get into that rhythm. You don't really feel like you would feel in a regular batting practice session. All right. Now let me say this, make this observation. Um, Pete, Pete did fairly well. Pete put a couple of uh, pl- balls in play at 95, 97, whatever it was, hit a couple of foul balls. Steph hit one. Uh, he made contact with one. And I, th- I, th- I think, you know, I don't know if he plans on running for office anymore or not ever, but I, don't, <laughs> I hope I don't dissuade any of his potential voters because – Pitch after pitch, <laughs> he kept. I, I have to clean this up for the audience, but he kept going. Holy blank, that's fast! <laughs> Holy blank, that's fast! Right? It was hilarious. And then he oh, hit. he he was funny. He was funny. Yeah. <clears throat> and but again, that's you know that not not picking up a bat for as long as you haven't picked up a bat and trying to go in there and face that kind of of speed. And by the way, those balls were moving too. There was some cut action to those pitches and there, a lot of them were low and away. So, you know, you start, you started out trying to hit like an impossible pitch. It's like Mariano Rivera coming out of that machine. So it, it, it wasn't an easy task. So the fact that you didn't follow any off Rick, I don't think that's a big deal. And the idea that some other guys actually made even, even my, minor contact, that was great, man. It really, I mean, you guys should be really happy with the way that all went. Well, I think when people watch the, the video that, that Pete is going to post in conjunction with this, I don't think our swings look clownish or horribly amateurish, you know. I mean, it looks like we have 
played the sport at some time or another, but it's it's astonishing how behind I am at least or how consistently over the pitch I am. And this is something I want to ask Pete first. And then when you and, and Tim Burroughs, when you, Lee, and Tim Burroughs and Dave Nasser got in the cage, I've made this observation to you guys, but I could see you guys making minor little physical adjustments to the way you're, you hunched your shoulders, choked up the bat or whatever, where it looked like you were learning from each pitch that came and making mental and physical uh adjustments to what you were going to do before the next pitch. I had none of that. I was just swinging. Pete, did right. you did you make adjustments? Well, so my whole context for this is like just watching little leaguers and coaching them coach, for yeah. the past 5 or 6 years. Yeah. I haven't swung at a pitched ball outside of slow pitch softball since since I was in little league. Yeah. Or I I played one year of freshman baseball in high school so i mean my only approach was to make everything as compact and quick as possible so like looking at the video i can see that i was my step was a lot smaller i i I wasn't like reaching back to try to hit the ball hard i was just trying to get get the bat moving through the strike zone as fast as i could that's more than i put into it intellectual but i know like i mean you asked (laughs) you asked me when we were there like when you saw me hold up and not swing, was I like holding up because I thought it was a ball versus yeah. a strike? And when I didn't swing, it was because I just I I knew that I was already so late yeah. that I wasn't gonna hit the ball. So why I was I just wasn't gonna bother swinging at that. I, I'm astonished that you had that self awareness. So, but so to you, Lee, and I know you don't want to necessarily speak for for Tim and Dave. But you guys did all play at that level. Am I right? Were you making intellectual uh, yeah, and physical sure. adjustments? Uh, yeah, without question. I mean, you're you're trying to see the, the pitch come out. But again, you're going up against the machine, which puts you at a disadvantage as opposed to making an adjustment against a real human being. But yeah, you adjusted the, the fact that the ball started to – it seemed like the ball was, was more low and away than I had originally anticipated. And sometimes the pitches were a little bit more outside, but for me, as there was a certain sense of, of frustration because, you know, if I'm 25, you know, you're turning every one of those pitches around and, and <laughs> hitting it back up the middle. Right. So right. yeah, I don't, I don't hit like I used to either. So it's like, it's, fr- it's almost more frustration to me. Like I'm mad that I'm right. not squaring every one of these pitches up. And I, I, I'm kind of getting ticked off that I'm not hitting every ball to the back of the cage. And I know that may sound uh, almost you know, sound like a, it's a, like a bragging thing, but it's, I just, no, you it's get not. aggravated. You get aggravated that you're not, you're not doing something that you certainly could have done when you were playing. You know what I mean? That would have been, it would have been a, a little bit of a different experience, but I, yeah, you're, you're making adjustments because you're trying to, to see the pitch and the, the pitch is definitely moving. So from one pitch to another, you're you're paying um you know trying to play it over in your mind to try to make a little bit a little bit of an adjustment with your hands and things like that so now lee you were frustrated on the flip side the the instant that my bat hit the ball on my first swing i was ready to drop the bat and walk out of there and say (laughs) done thank you (laughs) i did it i agree i agree (laughs) quitting while i'm ahead i'm like 
I'm like, oh my God. For me, it was almost like a certain different kind of a pressure. I'm like, oh my God, if these guys come here and I don't at least hit a couple, they're going to be like, who the hell is this guy? He sucks. But I mean, <laughs> it was like, I was more fresh. I get angry in those cages because you know how it is, Rick. You, you feel it when you're playing bass. You know, you can't can't move your fingers like you could move no. them when you were in your 20s. No, so I like, I, my mind says that, my mind sees it the way it sees it when I was younger, but my body just doesn't move as fast, I guess, as it used to. If you are intrigued at all by what Pete and I discuss, or maybe you just want more Rick Coster in your life, or you're a fan of the day's daybreak art section, we've got a newsletter for you. Which is called The Fun Never Stops. We'll send it out every Thursday. And what exactly will you be sending them? Some pithy commentary and some highlights on stuff and articles, columns you might not have seen. Subscribe for free at theday.com slash newsletters. Now, now, last night I played my first slow pitch softball game wow. in about 15 years. And I got to say that, that this cage experience was about the worst thing I could have done. <laughs> Because it's, yeah, like three times as fast as what you were facing. I, I, yeah. How did you do? Uh, I hit one out of the infield. Huh? There you go. But it, like having that, the leftover feeling was to go up there and be all twitchy and ready to yeah. swing. And yeah. you have to like stand there and don't start swinging until the ball is like three quarters of the way to the plate. <laughs> I, de- I definitely took one one big hat and hack and missed the ball by a, a foot. <laughs> so Lee, let me. I know you got you got stuff to do, and we probably ought to move on. To, but just for folks who are listening, um, when you were in your prime and playing professionally in in Australia, or when you were with the Cardinals organization, um, do, do you remember the fastest? pitch you ever faced or i know you i know you faced rob dibble to name drop at least one person that made it to the bigs do you remember the most uh intimidating or on the other side of the thing the most when you clocked something that fast you know just jacked it or whatever right um well i got a a better funnier story for you i guess so yeah rob dibble was probably the hardest guy that I ever, that's the hardest thrower that I ever faced. I mean, he was upper nineties, you know, and this was a spring training game and he was humming back then. But I, and I, and I, you know, I did get a chance to hit a couple home runs. I hit a home run off of Chris Nabholtz, who was a left-hander and he played in the big leagues. And there was a, a Barnes who was a pitcher who also played in the big leagues. I hit one off him, but I remember as I was, my pro career was coming to an end <laughs> where, you know, you, you could see the writing on the wall. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I was in the Florida State League at the time, and I was essentially the fourth outfielder on this team. So we were I, we were winning a game like nine to two, and the, and the, and I wasn't I didn't start that game. So the manager had put me in, and as he put me in, they changed pitchers, and the guy who came out of the bullpen was throwing at least ninety five, at least he was a big you know big giant Hispanic kid throwing real hard down there. And I get into the box. Now, I don't think I'd played in about a week. So I'm in the box. Very first pitch, 97, 98, hits me right in the wrist, right? Bang. I go down. Instantly, my wrist is as big as my leg. So I'm like, I can't move my hand. I think everything's broken. 
I, you know, the trainer comes out and we go back to the dugout. They take me out of the game as a precaution. I go back and the manager kind of salters over to us, you know, comes over to me with a slow walk, looks me in the face and goes, sorry about that. (laughs) (laughs) And, and essentially that was my second to last at bat pro ball playing a couple of days later. And my final at bat was a fly out to deep left, if I might say. But uh, yeah, he just comes over to me. You know, I knew by then I was probably done. He knew I was done. He's like, yeah, sorry about that. (laughs) (laughs) That's fabulous. Well, that's a perfect way for me to say to all of you who uh, were kind enough to show up at the pit and watch me swing 39 times and not make contact. Sorry about that. We'd love to have you with us every week, so please subscribe in your favorite podcast app. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, it would really help us out if you rate the show and leave a review, even a bad one. Rick reads all the reviews, and he doesn't cry that much when he reads a bad review. If you really want to help us out, this podcast would not happen without the support of subscribers to the day. You can get a digital subscription or a print subscription to the day by visiting theday.com slash subscribe. Our theme music is by Safety in Numbers, additional music by Carlos Virhen. We're on Twitter at Rick Coster and at P. Huapi. Rick, do you like your job? I do. I love my job. Do you love your job enough to do it for free? Um, no. So would you say that somebody who's listening to this podcast and not subscribing to the day is basically stealing money out of your pocket (laughs) they are they are cheaters peter so if you don't want rick's wonderful dogs to go hungry (laughs) you might consider buying a digital or print subscription to the day would be greatly appreciated